It is good to be here. This time of year, you know, we get wrapped up. It is great to take a time out and just worship. And Gray family, you really helped. <laughs> that was awesome. Just hearing you guys read and seeing your faces, you're just beautiful. Thank you for that. And isn't that just, it's right. Kids reading scripture, declaring the truth of who God is, what he's done, is just right. Grab your Bibles, please. Turn to Matthew chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible, there's one in the seat in front of you, and that's our gift to you if you don't own one. Page 895 in that Bible will be in Matthew 1. You know, last week uh, we talked about the anticipation of the coming king. We looked in the Old Testament at the prophecies, the predictions of the Messiah that would come. And if we're honest and we read all of those, there are some contradictions. If you read and you look at what they were expecting, there's some things that don't really add up. Uh, this Messiah to come would be a seed of Eve, would become, come from Abraham, from David, meaning it would be a human Messiah. It would be king in the line of David. But then also, this Messiah to come would be called Emmanuel, God with us, everlasting father. The, these names don't really line up with, with a human. You see a king in the line of David <clears throat> coming to establish, right, government on its shoulders. But yet, we also see that this Messiah to come would be a suffering servant, would be pierced for our transgressions. Through his wounds, we would be healed. Those things don't really line up. A king doesn't go through that kind of humiliation or death. And so what, what is God going to do? What is his solution? As we look at all these things, how he would set up the sacrificial system, pointing to blood being necessary for the forgiveness of sins. How would he bring all this together? And the answer is what we celebrate at Christmas, the incarnation. That's a big word. Maybe you've never heard it. The incarnation. What is the incarnation? Well, that's what we're looking at this morning. And here's my prayer this morning. is not that we get smarter, although that's always good. My prayer is that this truth grabs our hearts in a way that leads us to worship. So we're going to sing at the end that our singing then, even if your voice isn't very good, would be loud, would be bold, would be from the heart, that maybe you would be one of those felt led to like lift your hands to worship, get on your knees, because this truth changes everything, the incarnation. This is what we celebrate at Christmas, God's solution to our big problem. But it's even deeper than that. So what is the incarnation. Let's read Matthew 1, 18, 25. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Amen. Father in heaven, we love you. 
God, this truth of what you did at Christmas, the, the sending of your son, the incarnation, you becoming flesh, it's overwhelming when we understand it. Um, and I don't think we can fully understand it, but God, we thank you. And we worship you because of it. We worship you because you are worthy. God, stir our hearts today. I pray for all of us in this room, if we have things on our minds, on our hearts, something weighing us down, that this morning, Holy Spirit, you would give us peace. You would, you would maybe pull some of those, set them aside, and, and uh, help us deal with those later. But right now, we would look at you, we would focus on you, and we would worship authentically because that's what we're made to do. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. So what is the incarnation? It's really this simple. The incarnation is the miracle that God took on a human body. That is the incarnation. That is what Jesus did Christmas Day. When, when Jesus was born, it was God taking on a human body. Or here's another way to say it. The eternal son became flesh and entered the whole of human existence and experience and retains and bears his humanity forever. That is the incarnation. It's that, that verse 23 here. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, that is such a beautiful narrative right there of, of Jesus being born. And you see that also in Luke. But in the Gospel of John, he says it a little bit differently. So John 1, it's going to be on the screen, I, I believe. No, it's not. But you can turn there if you want. <clears throat> or just listen. We're going to go back to Matthew. But John 1 1 through 5, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The Word did not cease to be God, you see there, right? The word is God. But at a moment, that word took on flesh. Jesus is called here the eternal word of God who created all things. So you see here, there's really no way around it. In the beginning was the word. And what did the word do? The word created. So you go back to Genesis 1 and you see the beautiful creation story there. Who is the one speaking? It's, it's Jesus. It's the pre-incarnate word. And we know this because in John 1.14... He goes on and says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. The word became flesh. John, it's such a beautiful, John 1, such a beautiful narrative there. The word was eternal. The word created in a moment in time. The word became flesh. That word is key, flesh. The word did not cease to be God, again, but at a moment took on flesh. Flesh refers to our bodies. But not just skin and bone, but the whole of human existence, right? So when Jesus became human, he didn't cease to be God, but he set aside part of that divinity to, to experience all that we experience. He was tired. He was hungry. He experienced betrayal. He experienced death eventually. Pain, all the things of being human, he experienced. Again, this happened at a moment, moment in time, and maybe you don't often think about this. I know I don't, but that... God always was. I mean, get that through your head, right? God always was. And in a moment of time, God created earth, humanity, all these things. At that moment in time, Jesus was not human, but Jesus was the eternal word, the eternal son existing with the father, in the father. At a moment in time, he took on flesh, a body. 
don't tell me that life starts outside the womb. Here we see it starts in the womb. Jesus, right, in Mary's womb. False teachers throughout history have attempted to claim that Jesus just appeared to be human. He just looked human, but he really wasn't. He was really divine. Or others will say he wasn't divine. He was just human. The writer of Hebrews says it this way, Hebrews 4.15. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. The point there, he's pointing to Jesus as this high priest who understands everything about our lives because he's been there, done that. Jesus experienced temptation, pain, weariness, hunger, everything else that goes with being human. And again, in that verse, temptation. Jesus was tempted. I, I remember being young and thinking, you know, God can't fully understand me. Jesus can't fully understand because he was perfect, but he was tempted, meaning he stood up to the temptation. He was tempted in all things like we are, but yet he didn't sin, meaning he didn't give in. His temptations were probably harder, right? Because you all give in. <laughs> I, I, I give, right? We've all given in to temptation. He endured temptation for an entire life and never gave in. That sounds pretty tough. You know, Jesus often refers to himself as the son of man, which he's alluding to an Old Testament prophet who, who referred to the Messiah to come who would be the son of man. But it also speaks to his humanity. Jesus declared, I am human. I am the son of man. But he's also called the son of God, the incarnation, son of man, son of God. How is this possible? You know, John 5, 18 Jesus, uh, we see here, he is pretty open about his divinity. He says, this is why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him. Because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Jesus didn't hide from who he was. Right? Maybe you've heard the, uh, the C.S. Lewis argument, Lord, liar, or lunatic. Jesus claimed to be God. He claimed to be divine. That's why they killed him. Either he is, or he was a liar, or he was crazy. And if he's a liar or crazy, we can throw all this out if Jesus is not divine. Philippians 2, 6 through 8, Paul. This is one of those neat passages where Paul is talking about, he's instructing Christians how to live, have humility like Jesus had humility. And then in that, he shares just this beautiful scene, this beautiful picture of the incarnation. Jesus, who, although he existed in the form and unchanging essence of God. This is the Amplified Bible. If you're like, that's a lot more words than my Bible has. That's why. Let me start over. Who, although he existed in the form and unchanging essence of God as one with him, possessing the fullness of all the divine attributes, the entire nature of deity, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped or asserted as if he did not already possess it or was afraid of losing it, but emptied himself without renouncing or diminishing his deity, but only temporarily giving up the outward expression of divine equality and his rightful dignity by assuming the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men, he became completely human, but was without sin, being fully God and fully man. After he was found in terms of his outward appearance as a man for a divinely appointed time, he humbled himself Still further, by becoming obedient to the Father to the point of death, even death on a cross. What's the truth? Jesus is God in flesh. That's the incarnation. 
That is unique to true Christian faith, and that is, that is a foundation. There are some things that we can disagree on. When is Jesus coming back? What's that look like, right? There's some other things we can do. This is not one. This is foundational. Jesus is divine, fully God. Jesus is fully man. You cannot be a genuine follower of Jesus without believing that at a fundamental basis. So how? Okay, how did this happen? If this was God's plan, how? Well, again, that's what we sing about. All the songs we're singing are about this virgin birth, right? Matthew 1, 18. The birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. That's how, right? Mary, a young woman, probably in her teens, the Holy Spirit implanted, right, that made the embryo grow, put Jesus into the womb. God accomplished the incarnation by using Mary's real body without a human man involved, allowing for the child to be fully human and fully God. He used two people, Mary and Joseph. Joseph would be the stepfather. Maybe you've heard some of those songs. I love those songs about, you know, Joseph. Can you imagine that? Like an angel appearing, hey, I want you to be stepdad to the king of kings, lord of lords, God. Okay. <laughs> right? I mean, can you imagine this just one-year-old like sitting there and you're feeding, like I know who you are and, and I'm called, wow, right? Joseph was given that responsibility. Mary was given that responsibility. It gives me chills that God condescended to, to come as a man, a child of two real humans. Wow. And this is what we celebrate at Christmas. Mary, here as you see, was a true virgin. All right, now you're going to read and you're going to hear some things, um, more progressive Christianity that is leaned towards secular humanism that denies miracles and that has moved into the church of, okay, there aren't miracles, so Jesus could not have been born to a real virgin. He had to be. If Mary was not a real virgin, then Jesus is a product of an earthly man and an earthly woman and is not divine. The virgin birth is, again, necessary. Without the virgin birth of Jesus, our faith has nothing to stand on. Nothing. I like this quote. We quoted it past summer. Maybe you forgot, so I'm going to read it again. Undoubtedly, the divinity of Christ is the most essential doctrine. The incarnation is second to this, and the virgin birth of a third degree of importance. A man may doubt or deny the third without in his own mind denying the second or the first, and yet he surely has put himself in an untenable position which he cannot maintain. Historically and logically, the divinity of Christ and incarnation are bound up with the virgin birth, and no man can successfully maintain any one of them without maintaining them all. It's a little wordy, but it's true, right? We must accept that Jesus was born to a real virgin. Her name was Mary, a real woman who really gave birth to him, who really was a virgin until later, right? It says afterward they had other children. Uh, James is one of those. He wrote one of the books. Um, he had sisters. So Mary was not a perpetual virgin, as maybe you've also, virgin, as you've heard, but with Jesus, she was. Now, I want to wrap it up with why. Why the incarnation? And, and this is the part that gives me even more chills. Because God is God. He could have done it anyway. Right? Right? Why? We messed it up in the garden. We sinned. You all messed it up when you chose to sin. Right? We've all chosen to sin. We deserve eternal death and hell. God chose to save us by sending his son. Why did he do it 
that way. Theoretically, right? I, I mean, we, we could conceive of another way to do it. You're God. Do it a different way. Why did he do it this way? Well, the first great purpose, obviously, is salvation. Again, we looked last week at, at how God atones for sin. Throughout the Old Testament, you have the Passover lamb, right? And then you have the, uh, the sacrifice of atonement, where we talked about where they would, they would slit the, the lamb's throat once a year to cover their sin, to atone for their sins. So God set up that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. And so there must be death, and it must be perfect. Hebrews 10, 5 and 10. When Christ came into the world, he said, sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. And by that, we will all have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. So why? So that Jesus could offer his body as a sacrifice once for all. Remember when Jesus was walk, walking down the street, John the Baptist saw him, said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Sacrifices would no longer be necessary because Jesus would do it once for all. But that's not all. Jesus, in John 1.1, 1, 1, right, what's he called? The Word. What's a word? A word. It's something that communicates. Right? We use words. Language matters. A word communicates something. Jesus came to communicate something. Yes, maybe the most important, the greatest thing is he died for our sins, right? He was a God-man so that he could be the sacrifice. But also he wanted to communicate. Hebrews 1.1. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. Jesus came to show us the Father, right? In John 14, 9, he says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Before that, prophets, this is what God is like. You can read scripture. This is what God is like. Jesus came and said, this is what God's like, right? We, if you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. Why is it so important to read the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and get to know Jesus? Because he is God, and he came to show us who God is, because of the incarnation, we can know God in a way that was not possible without it. Now, there's something else. The incarnation makes clear that God is not only transcendent, but also imminent. Now, take a minute. These are big words. We're going to think about that a little bit. Transcendent. It's the idea that God is out there. God is greater than us, right? As far as the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways above your ways and my thoughts above your thoughts, says God. That's transcendent. He created. He made the planets, the stars, the universe. He created all. He is out there greater than us forever. That's transcendent, right? Anybody who ever comes in God's presence falls on their face because God is transcendent. But he's also imminent. The idea of imminent, and it's a theological doctrine of him being close, him entering time, him being able to touch, right? They touched Jesus. They ate with Jesus. He is close the idea of the incarnation is that God looked at us and said, I want to be close to you. Oh, can you imagine that? The God, the transcendent God of the universe, right, who knows all things. We're discovering these things with the telescopes out there, the beauty of, of other galaxies. He made those, and then he looks at you and goes, I want to be close to you. The, the picture that came to mind this morning as I was praying over this is of an earthly dad, right? Maybe there's, there's those earthly dads that are... are more separate, right? I am the, the provider. I work hard. I provide. Come home and, and that's it, right? I provide. Or the dad who understands provision and protection too, but 
They're the ones that get on their knees with the kids, right? The, the dad that wants to get in the dirt and play, hey, dad, we're, we're finger painting, and, and dad gets in and finger paints. I mean, kind of that, but way better, right? That God, our father, wanted to be close to, he wanted to get in the dirt with us. He wanted to spend time with us. He is not just transcendent, but imminent. The incarnation tells us how much God loves us. Right? It goes back to creation. When God made Adam and Eve, he created humanity. Why did he create humanity? To know him. He created us to know him and to love him. He created us, not because he needed us, but so he could share himself with us. And we messed it up. Right? We put up this wall of sin. The whole reason we're cr created, we broke. And he said, no, he tore the wall down by becoming human. Now, here's something you also probably don't often think about, because I don't. Jesus became human at a moment in time and is human forever. I think a lot of times we think that, that God became human. Jesus came. He walked the earth for 30 years, right? He preached. He did all his stuff. He died. He rose from the dead, and he was God again. Well, he never ceased being God, but he will also now forever and ever never cease to be human. Jesus was risen from the dead in a human body. It was different, Right? It, but it still had his scars. He ate. He could also pass through walls. So the body was different, but also scripture makes clear, his, he's the firstborn from the dead. We will have a body like that. So we get a, a glimpse of our future in Jesus' resurrected body. Now, Jesus will forever be God and forever be human. We will not be God, right? But we will receive eternal bodies. We will forever be human, but we will get to see Jesus face-to-face -face just like the disciples did. Wow. Jesus became a human at a moment in time, yes, to communicate about the Father. Yes, to be a sacrifice. But that sacrifice, his death was one time, but his humanity is forever. I don't know if you ever, for me, this was kind of actually new to wrestle with this Christmas season. That when Jesus came in that manger, that was a permanent thing to become human. Wow. He loves us that much. That's why I said at the beginning, I hope this leads us to, to worship. Again, we're going to sing a couple more songs. We should be on our knees. We should have our, whatever it is. We're going to worship because our God loves us this much. You know, although theoretically God could have done things a different way, he didn't. He chose to do it this way from the beginning of time. I want to finish with a quote by Dorothy Sayers. The incarnation means that for whatever reason, God chose to let us fall to suffer, to be subject to sorrows and death. He has nonetheless had the honesty and the courage to take his own medicine. He can exact nothing from man that he does not exact from himself. He himself has gone through the whole of human experience, from the trivial irritations of family life and the cramping restrictions of hard work and lack of money to the worst horrors of pain and humiliation, defeat, despair, and death. He was born in poverty and suffered infinite pain all for us and thought it well worth his while. Wow. Matthew 1, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Jesus, we worship you. God with us. You condescended to become human because you wanted to. Because you love us that much. God, I know my heart. I, I don't feel I'm worth that. But God, you, you look at us and you said we are worth it. We are worth you eternally becoming human. 
never setting aside your divinity completely. You are fully God, and Jesus, you are fully man, and we love you. Holy Spirit, lead our hearts now to worship. God, what do you want us to do in response? Sing loud, go to the prayer wall, write a prayer. I'm gonna be in the back. God, if anybody here says, I, I'm believing this for the first time, I've never surrendered to Jesus as Lord, lead them to come speak to me. God, that they could be saved today because of what you did in the incarnation. God, we love you and we thank you. In your name, amen.